Welcome to Lost in the Woods, finding your way as God's daughter through fairy tales. I'm your host, Autumn Woods, and I'm so excited you're here. We're coming to the end of Season 1, and I'll be back with Season 2 in late September, early October, after a brief hiatus to record an audiobook for author Melinda Michelle. Check her out in the show notes. Season 2 is called Shield Maidens and will focus on stories of women who protect themselves and those in their charge, exploring what it means to be a warrior woman in the spiritual battlefield. This brings me to today's story, one of my all-time favorites that I've been dying to share. Vasilisa the Beautiful, from Russian folklore collector Alexander Afanasyev, is unique to our first season because it is not truly about displaced female identity but it follows the Cinderella pattern. Vasilisa doesn't take as long as some of her predecessors to discover who she is and find her courage, despite difficult circumstances. She is a healthy, symbolic example of constant reliance on the Holy Spirit for guidance and wisdom. Courageous and steadfast, she takes her problems to the source of her help and behaves wisely and diligently in her trials fully confident that good will triumph over evil in the end. We're taken on the journey with her as she travels through the dark forest, comes face to face with one of the most frightening characters in Slavic folklore, and defeats the forces of evil threatening to take her down. So, let's get lost as we read the story of... Vasilisa the Beautiful In a certain kingdom, there lived a merchant. Although he had been married for twelve years, he had only one daughter, called Vasilisa the Beautiful. When the girl was eight years old, her mother died. On her deathbed, the merchant's wife called her daughter, took a doll from under her coverlet, gave it to the girl, and said, Listen, Vasilushka, remember and heed my last words. I am dying and together with my maternal blessing, I leave you this doll. Always keep it with you, and do not show it to anyone. If you get into trouble, give the doll food and ask its advice. When it has eaten, it will tell you what to do in your trouble. Then the mother kissed her child and died. After his wife's death, the merchant mourned as is proper, and then began to think of marrying again. He was a handsome man and had no difficulty in finding a bride, but he liked best a certain widow. Because she was elderly and had two daughters of her own, of almost the same age as Vasilisa, he thought that she was an experienced housewife and mother, so he married her. But he was deceived, for she did not turn out to be a good mother for his Vasilisa. Vasilisa was the most beautiful girl in the village. Her stepmother and stepsisters were jealous of her beauty and tormented her by giving her all kinds of work to do, hoping that she would grow thin from toil and tanned from exposure to the wind and sun. In truth, she had a most miserable life. But Vasilisa bore all this without complaint and became lovelier and more buxom every day, while the stepmother and her daughters grew thin and ugly from spite although they always sat with folded hands like ladies. How did all this come about? Vasilisa was helped by her doll. Without its aid, 
the girl could never have managed all that work. In return, Vasilisa sometimes did not eat, but kept the choicest morsels for her doll. And at night, when everyone was asleep, she would lock herself in the little room in which she lived and would give the doll a treat, saying, Now, little doll, eat and listen to my troubles. I live in my father's house, but am deprived of all joy. A wicked stepmother is driving me from the white world. Tell me how I should live and what I should do. The doll would eat, then would give her advice and comfort her in her trouble. And in the morning, she would perform all the chores for Vasilisa, who rested in the shade and picked flowers, while the flower beds were weeded, the cabbage sprayed, the water brought in, and the stove fired. The doll even showed Vasilisa an herb that would protect her from sunburn. She led an easy life, thanks to her doll. Several years went by. Vasilisa grew up and reached the marriage age. She was wooed by all the young men in the village, but no one would even look at the stepmother's daughters. The stepmother was more spiteful than ever, and her answer to all the suitors was, I will not give the youngest in marriage before the elder ones. And each time she sent a suitor away, she vented her anger on Vasilisa in cruel blows. One day, the merchant had to leave home for a long time in order to trade in distant lands. The stepmother moved to another house. Near that house was a thick forest, and in a glade of that forest there stood a hut, and in the hut lived Baba Yaga. She never allowed anyone to come near her and ate human beings as if they were chickens. Having moved into the new house, the merchant's wife, hating Vasilisa, repeatedly sent the girl to the woods for one thing or another. But each time, Vasilisa returned home safe and sound. Her doll had showed her the way and kept her far from Baba Yaga's hut. Autumn came. The stepmother gave evening work to all three maidens. The oldest had to make lace, the second had to knit stockings, and Vasilisa had to spin, and each one had to finish her task. The stepmother put out the lights all over the house, leaving only one candle in the room where the girls worked, and went to bed. The girls worked. The candle began to smoke. One of the stepsisters took up a scissors to trim it, but instead, following her mother's order, she snuffed it out, as though inadvertently. What shall we do now? said the girls. There is no light in the house, and our tasks are not finished. Someone must run to Baba Yaga and get some light. The pins on my lace give me light, said the one who was making lace. I shall not go. I shall not go either, said the one who was knitting stockings. My knitting needles give me light. Then you must go, both of them cried to their stepsister. Go to Baba Yaga! And they pushed Vasilisa out of the room. She went into her own little room put the supper she had prepared before her doll, and said, Now, dolly, eat and aid me in my need. They are sending me to Baba Yaga for a light, and she will eat me up. The doll ate the supper, and its eyes gleamed like two candles. Fear not, Vasilushka, it said. Go where you are sent. Only keep me with you all the time. 
with me in your pocket, you will suffer no harm from Baba Yaga. Vasilisa made ready, put her doll in her pocket, and, having made the sign of the cross, went into the deep forest. She walked in fear and trembling. Suddenly, a horseman galloped past her. His face was white, he was dressed in white, his horse was white, and his horse's trappings were white. Daybreak came to the woods. She walked on farther, and a second horseman galloped past her. He was all red, he was dressed in red, and his horse was red. The sun began to rise. Vasilisa walked the whole night and the whole day, and only on the following evening did she come to the glade where Baba Yaga's hut stood. The fence around the hut was made of human bones, and on the spikes were human skulls with staring eyes. The doors had human legs for doorposts, human hands for bolts, and a mouth with sharp teeth in place of a lock. Vasilisa was numb with horror and stood rooted to the spot. Suddenly, another horseman rode by. He was all black, he was dressed in black, and his horse was black. He galloped up to Baba Yaga's door and vanished, as though the earth had swallowed him up. Night came, but the darkness did not last long. The eyes of all the skulls on the fence began to gleam, and the glade was as bright as day. Vasilisa shuddered with fear, but not knowing where to run, remained on the spot. Soon a terrible noise resounded through the woods. The trees crackled, the dry leaves rustled. From the woods, Baba Yaga drove out in a mortar, prodding it on with a pestle and sweeping her traces with a broom. She rode up to the gate, stopped, and, sniffing the air around her, cried, Fie, fie, I smell a Russian smell. Who is here? Vasilisa came up to the old witch, and, trembling with fear, bowed low to her and said, It is I, grandmother. My stepsisters sent me to get some light. Very well, said Baba Yaga. I know them. But before I give you the light, you must live with me and work for me. If not, I will eat you up. Then she turned to the gate and cried, Hey, my strong bolts, unlock! Open up my wide gate! The gate opened, and Baba Yaga drove in, whistling. Vasilisa followed her, and then everything closed again. Having entered the room, Baba Yaga stretched herself out in her chair and said to Vasilisa, Serve me what is in this stove. I am hungry. Vasilisa lit a torch from the skulls on the fence and began to serve Yaga the food from the stove. And enough food had been prepared for ten people. She brought kvass, mead, beer, and wine from the cellar. The old witch ate and drank everything, leaving for Vasilisa only a little cabbage soup, a crust of bread, and a piece of pork. Then Baba Yaga made ready to go to bed and said, Tomorrow. After I go, see to it that you sweep the yard, clean the hut, cook the dinner, wash the linen, and go to the corn bin and sort out a bushel of wheat, and let everything be done, or I will eat you up. 
Having given these orders, Baba Yaga began to snore. Vasilisa set the remnants of the old witch's supper before her doll, wept bitter tears, and said, Here, dolly, eat and aid me in my need. Baba Yaga has given me a hard task to do and threatens to eat me up if I do not do it all. Help me. The doll answered, Fear not, Vasilisa the Beautiful. Eat your supper, say your prayers, and go to sleep. The morning is wiser than the evening. Very early the next morning, Vasilisa awoke, after Baba Yaga had arisen, and looked out of the window. The eyes of the skulls were going out. Then the white horseman flashed by, and it was daybreak. Baba Yaga went out into the yard, whistled, and the mortar, pestle, and broom appeared before her. The red horseman flashed by, and the sun rose. Baba Yaga sat in her mortar, prodded it on with the pestle, and swept her traces with the broom. Vasilisa remained alone, looked about Baba Yaga's hut, was amazed at the abundance of everything, and stopped wondering which work she should do first. For lo and behold, all the work was done. The doll was picking the last shreds of chaff from the wheat. Ah, oh, my savior, said Vasilisa to her doll. You have delivered me from death. All you have to do, answered the doll, creeping into Vasilisa's pocket, is to cook the dinner. Cook it with the help of God, and then rest for your health's sake. When evening came, Vasilisa set the table and waited for Baba Yaga. Dusk began to fall. The black horseman flashed by the gate, and night came. Only the skull's eyes were shining. The trees crackled, the leaves rustled. Baba Yaga was coming. Vasilisa met her. Is everything done? asked Yaga. Please, see for yourself, grandmother, said Vasilisa. Baba Yaga looked at everything, was annoyed that there was nothing she could complain about, and said, mm, Very well, then. Then she cried, My faithful servants, my dear friends, grind my wheat. Three pairs of hands appeared, took the wheat, and carried it out of sight. Baba Yaga ate her fill, made ready to go to sleep and again gave her orders to Vasilisa. Tomorrow, she commanded, do the same work you have done today, and in addition, take the poppy seed from the bin and get rid of the dust, grain by grain. Someone threw dust into the bins out of spite. Having said this, the old witch turned to the wall and began to snore, and Vasilisa set about feeding her doll. The doll ate and spoke as she had spoken the day before. Pray to God and go to sleep. The morning is wiser than the evening. Everything will be done, Vasilushka. Next morning, Baba Yaga again left the yard in her mortar, and Vasilisa and the doll soon had all the work done. The old witch came back, looked at everything, and cried, my faithful servants, my dear friends, press the oil out of the poppy seed. Three pairs of hands appeared, took the poppy seed, and carried it out of sight. Baba Yaga sat down to dine. She ate, and Vasilisa stood silent. 
Why do you not speak to me? said Baba Yaga. You stand there as though you were dumb. I did not dare to speak, said Vasilisa. But if you will give me leave, I'd like to ask you something. Go ahead. But not every question has a good answer. If you know too much, you will soon grow old. I want to ask you, Grandmother, only about what I have seen. As I was on my way to you, a horseman on a white horse, all white himself and dressed in white, overtook me. Who is he? He is my bright day, said Baba Yaga. Then another horseman overtook me. He had a red horse, was red himself, and was dressed in red. Who is he? He is my red son. And who is the black horseman whom I met at your very gate, grandmother? He is my dark knight, and all of them are my faithful servants. Vasilisa remembered the three pairs of hands, but kept silent. Why don't you ask me more? said Baba Yaga. That will be enough, Vasilisa replied. You said yourself, grandmother, that one who knows too much will grow old soon. It is well, said Baba Yaga, that you ask only about what you have seen outside my house, not inside my house. I do not like to have my dirty linen washed in public, and I eat the overcurious. Now I shall ask you something. How do you manage to do the work I set for you? I am helped by the blessing of my mother, said Vasilisa. So that is what it is, shrieked Baba Yaga. Get you gone, blessed daughter. I want no blessed ones in my house. She dragged Vasilisa out of the room and pushed her outside the gate, took a skull with burning eyes from the fence, stuck it on a stick, and gave it to the girl, saying, Here is your light for your stepsisters. Take it. That is what they sent you for. Vasilisa ran homeward by the light of the skull, which went out only at daybreak, and by nightfall of the following day, she reached the house. As she approached the gate, she was about to throw the skull away, thinking that surely they no longer needed a light in the house. But suddenly, a dull voice came from the skull, saying, Do not throw me away. Take me to your stepmother. She looked at the stepmother's house, and, seeing that there was no light in the windows, decided to enter with her skull. For the first time, she was received kindly. Her stepmother and stepsisters told her that since she had left, they had had no fire in the house. They were unable to strike a flame themselves, and whatever light was brought by the neighbors went out the moment it was brought into the house. Perhaps your fire will last, said the stepmother. The skull was brought into the room, and its eyes kept staring at the stepmother and her daughters, and burned them. They tried to hide, but wherever they went, the eyes followed them. By morning, they were all burned to ashes. Only Vasilisa remained untouched by the fire. In the morning, Vasilisa buried the skull in the ground locked up the house, and went to the town. A certain childless old woman gave her shelter, 
and there she lived, waiting for her father's return. One day she said to the woman, I am weary of sitting without work, grandmother. Buy me some flax, the best you can get. At least I shall be spinning. The old woman bought good flax, and Vasilisa set to work. She spun as fast as lightning, and her threads were even and thin as a hair. She spun a great deal of yarn. It was time to start weaving it, but no comb fine enough for Vasilisa's yarn could be found, and no one would undertake to make one. Vasilisa asked her doll for aid. The doll said, Bring me an old comb and an old shuttle and a horse's mane. I will make a loom for you. Vasilisa got everything that was required and went to sleep, and during the night the doll made a wonderful loom for her. By the end of the winter the linen was woven, and it was so fine that it could be passed through a needle, like a thread. In the spring the linen was bleached, and Vasilisa said to the old woman, Grandmother, sell this linen and keep the money for yourself. The old woman looked at the linen and gasped. No, my child, no one can wear such linen except the Tsar. I shall take it to the palace. The old woman went to the Tsar's palace and walked back and forth beneath the windows. The Tsar saw her and asked, What do you want, old woman? Your Majesty, she answered, I have brought rare merchandise. I do not want to show it to anyone but you. The Tsar ordered her to be brought before him, and when he saw the linen, he was amazed. What do you want for it? asked the Tsar. It has no price, little father Tsar. I have brought it as a gift to you. The Tsar thanked her and rewarded her with gifts. The Tsar ordered shirts to be made of the linen. It was cut, but nowhere could they find a seamstress who was willing to sew them. For a long time, they tried to find one, but in the end, the Tsar summoned the old woman and said, You have known how to spin and weave such linen. You must know how to sew shirts of it. It was not I that spun and wove the linen, your majesty, said the old woman. This is the work of a maiden to whom I give shelter. Then let her sew the shirts, ordered the Tsar. The old woman returned home and told everything to Vasilisa. I knew all the time, said Vasilisa, that I would have to do this work. She locked herself in her room and set to work. She sewed without rest, and soon a dozen shirts were ready. The old woman took them to the Tsar, and Vasilisa washed herself, combed her hair, dressed in her finest clothes, and sat at the window. She sat there, waiting to see what would happen. She saw a servant of the Tsar entering the courtyard. The messenger came into the room and said, The Tsar wishes to see the needlewoman who made his shirts, and wishes to reward her with his own hands. Vasilisa appeared before the Tsar. When the Tsar saw Vasilisa the beautiful, he fell madly in love with her. No, my beauty, he said. I will not separate from you. You shall be my wife. He took Vasilisa by her white hands, seated her by his side, and the wedding was celebrated at once. Soon, 
Vasilisa's father returned, was overjoyed at her good fortune, and came to live in his daughter's house. Vasilisa took the old woman into her home, too, and carried her doll in her pocket till the end of her life. The End Now that's a happy ending. Evil supernaturally defeated, time to heal, and restoration and rewards for endurance and diligence. See why it's one of my favorites? Don't wander away from the campfire. We're about to shed some light on the incredible treasure hidden in this story. We begin, as we so often do, with a mother's love and blessing before death. Vasilisa's mother gives her the double-portion blessing of the firstborn, as she is the first and only child. We have spoken before about the power of words and prayers lasting well after death and hers are certainly potent. The mother's blessing and gift of her doll give Vasilisa assurance and protection throughout her life, even when she is afraid and uncertain. Before anyone gets offended and makes connections between Vasilisa feeding her doll and pagans laying food out for idols, let me stop you right there. The way I interpret this, the doll is very clearly a Holy Spirit figure. Like Cinderella's dove, the doll builds Vasilisa's faith and makes her secure in her identity by giving her comfort, instruction, and help in place of an earthly mother. With her dying breath, her mother tells her to always keep the doll hidden with her and to feed it when she is in trouble to receive its advice. Before Jesus ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1, he instructed his followers to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is our unseen comforter, teacher, and helper. The more time we spend reading the Word and remaining in God's presence, setting aside time to feed our spirits with daily bread, the stronger we are in tune with the Holy Spirit. We are more capable of discerning the next right and wise thing we should do or say in a crisis. Like Vasilisa with her doll, it is crucial for us to stay in communication with the Holy Spirit so that we are not easily deceived by something that is not truly God's will. In contrast with Cinderella's surviving parent, Vasilisa's father is not a cruel or indifferent man and truly believes that he is doing right by his daughter when he chooses his new wife. She gives all the appearances of being a good housekeeper and mother, but we can see the truth a mile away through the binoculars of fairy tale rules. I'll bet you even twitched or groaned involuntarily when I said he was thinking of marrying again. I guarantee that you shook your head when the other two daughters were mentioned. Threatened by the beauty of our heroine, the mother and daughters waste no time in tormenting her to break her spirit, laying the yoke of hard labor on her shoulders to destroy her loveliness. Vasilisa endures a miserable existence. Being stuck in the same place for years with women who hate your guts is absolute agony. Believe me, I know. It's worse when the only protector who could potentially do something about it is unintentionally absent or oblivious to what's going on. It definitely feels that way growing up girl. Like you've crossed over into this bizarro world that a dad can't even begin to navigate, so he doesn't always try. But we as daughters of God have a heavenly protector to help us. One of his names in Hebrew is El Roi, the God who sees me. He is aware of our pain and sees what is in our hearts 
and the hearts of the broken people torturing us. He is our refuge and strength and help in times of trouble. We are to go to Him with our wounds and worries and allow Him to work wonders in our shattered lives as the Holy Spirit guides us and shows us our next move. Vasilisa experiences this through her mother's gifts. When she cannot stand the ill treatment of her family, she locks herself in her room, gives her doll the choicest morsels, her first fruits, from her meals, tells her her troubles, and asks her how she should live and what she should do. Sounds like Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Vasilisa's doll rewards her by giving her time to rest, while she does the hard work set before them by the stepmother. She even shows Vasilisa an herb that protects her from sunburn. It is interesting that the action Vasilisa is instructed to perform in this exchange is a simple, childlike one. Even if someone did walk in on her alone in her room feeding her doll, it would look like she was just playing with it, performing a nurturing game in preparation for adult motherhood, as is common with girls who have dolls. No one would see at first glance that this seemingly innocent act has great impact on Vasilisa's life, and consequently, the lives of those around her. That's what prayer is. That's what reading the Word is. People look at us on our knees or bent over our Bibles and think that we are weak, helpless, and uninformed, bowing under the force of what is attacking us and surrendering. They have no clue that we are meek, not weak, and that from these lowly positions, we wage war in the spiritual realm. We're surrendering all right, but not to the forces of darkness. Spoiling the plans of her stepfamily, Vasilisa grows more beautiful every day, while they become uglier as their inner selves rot with envy. A little bit of Psalm 23 is happening here, as a table of youth and vitality is set before Vasilisa in the presence of her enemies. She grows lovelier not only because she is aided by her doll, but because she is wise and good-hearted. Her inner glory spills outward and is reflected in her physical beauty. She does not grow vengeful and bitter because of the brutality of her home life. She takes her troubles to the source of her help and listens to the wise advice she receives in return. Wisdom produces true beauty, and the young men in the village can't help but notice. One by one, they are swatted away like flies, as the furious stepmother scowls that she will never give Vasilisa in marriage before her own daughters. Beating her stepdaughter does not satisfy her outrage. In her heart, she determines that Vasilisa must die. The next time her husband goes away on business, she deliberately moves her family into the dark woods near the house of death. If this is your first introduction to Baba Yaga, you're lucky. Most other stories she shows up in give frightening physical descriptions of her, and there are few illustrations that don't chill me to the core even as an adult. She has the stereotypical witch nose, bony legs, and horrible, sharp iron teeth. And more often than not, she is cannibalistic. According to historic mysteries, Baba has been translated as old woman, hag, or grandmother, depending on which Slavic language is being referenced. 
Yaga, or Iaga, means horror and shudder in Serbian and Croatian, anger in Slovenian, witch in Old Czech, wicked wood nymph in Modern Czech, witch and fury in Polish, and serpent or snake in Sanskrit. The imagery of bony legs is doubly reflected in her house, which traditionally spins around crazily on chicken legs. Both sets of limbs suggest that she is an all-consuming devourer who is never satisfied. She symbolizes hunger, death, testing, and elemental power. Stop me when you hear enough similarities between her and the enemy. Baba Yaga is also one of those fascinating characters in folklore who bends to the needs of the storyteller. She can be relatively innocuous and help the hero or heroine on their quest if she is part of a trio of sisters. Yaga's in three let you be. But when she is a star player in the story, she is usually meant to be a test of the protagonist's character in the face of death. Will they give in to fear, anger, and apathy? only to be consumed in the end? Or will they be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, securing their escape through industriousness and steadfast wisdom? Fortunately, our heroine comes from the latter stock. Guided by her doll, Vasilisa avoids the traps set by her wicked family, never setting foot in the direction of Baba Yaga's house. Several verses come to mind about how God guides us and directs our paths away from danger when we cling to his teaching. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Psalm 119, verse 105. If we acknowledge him in all our ways, he will make our paths straight. Proverbs 3, 6. Psalm 91 in its entirety fits this story. But we can only escape trouble for so long. A little danger is needed to bring out the best in us. And sometimes, in order to find the next phase of our lives, we have to get lost in the woods. Autumn arrives, the season of harvest, change, and transformation. From this moment on, nothing will be the same. Vasilis's old life will pass away, and a new one will begin after she endures the most frightening three nights of her life. Like Joseph in Genesis, the envy of her family will nearly sentence her to death. But what the enemy means for evil, the Lord turns around for good. As the leaves start to turn, the stepmother's plan to be rid of Vasilisa accelerates. One night, she gives all three daughters work to do by the light of a single candle. Before going to bed, she instructs one of her daughters to snuff it out, claiming that they can see to keep working by the faint glimmer of their pins and needles. The evil sisters insist that Vasilisa go to Baba Yaga's house to get a light, pushing her out of the room. Vasilisa does not bend so easily under pressure. Rather than dashing out the front door in panic, she slips into her room, feeds her doll, and asks for help and advice. The doll's eyes gleam like two candles as she gently assures Vasilisa that she should go to Baba Yaga without fear, and that no harm will come to her as long as the doll remains in her pocket. How many times does the Lord tell us, fear not, or be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid or dismayed, 
for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9 As hard as it can be to remember, we too need to get into the habit of running straight to God when something or someone terrifies us. David says in Psalm 27 verse 1 that we should not fear anyone because the Lord is our light and our salvation. I also can't help drawing attention to the connection between the eyes being the lamp of the body, the Holy Spirit being represented by a lampstand in the Old Testament, and the gentle candlelight glow of the doll's eyes. Once again, she is shown to be a benevolent protector and guide, like the Holy Spirit, encouraging Vasilisa to take the next step into her destiny. Saying her prayers and shutting the door, Vasilisa ventures out into the dark forest. She cannot help being nervous, but neither could anyone else in those circumstances. Your human body still processes visceral reactions to what is said or done or unknown around you, even if your spirit is strong. The trick is determining which of the warring forces in you gets to remain in the driver's seat. And even veteran Christians aren't always good at that. Sometimes I royally stink at it. But, like the little mermaid clinging to her ultimate goal, we need to keep our focus on what we are promised so that we can endure the trials along the way and count them joy. Suddenly, three horsemen, one white, one red, and one black, gallop past her on her journey, indicating the arrival of daybreak, sunrise, and night. I always end up connecting them to the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Conquest, or the Antichrist, war, and famine, respectively. Check out Revelation 6. The colors and order of appearance even match. Baba Yaga in her house of bones represents the fourth horseman, death. Why am I even bringing this up? The horsemen are released and given authority to plague mankind as a first form of judgment for ungodliness. The righteous will be spared, but the destruction must be allowed to happen around them. In Ezekiel 14, the Lord says that when He releases these judgments against a country that has rejected Him, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they could save only themselves by their righteousness. Remember this when we get to the part of the story when Vasilisa brings the skull light home and is the only one to walk away unscathed. Before justice can be done, she must face her challenger head on. Following the disappearance of famine, I mean, night, through the door of the hut, a terrible forest fanfare announces the arrival of death herself. Baba Yaga barrels toward Vasilisa in her mortar and pestle, crying out in traditional ogre fashion that she smells living flesh. Respectfully, like Daniel in Babylon, Vasilisa explains her situation and agrees to live and work under Baba Yaga's roof in exchange for the light for her family. If we doubt that Vasilisa has a decent work ethic, we're about to be proven wrong. She has the wherewithal to light a torch in the witch's house upon entering, wouldn't you? And the perseverance to serve her enough food and drink to satisfy ten men without filching any for herself or complaining that she too is hungry. We see that she is brave and honorable, because even though she trembles, she does not try to escape after Baba Yaga gives her a laundry list of hard chores and threatens her. 
Nor does she snatch the light she came for and barrel back home through the forest after Yaga goes to sleep. She does as she always has when her back is against the wall, and sneaks what's left of the witch's supper to her doll. Gently, her mother's gift advises her that she should take care of herself. Eat, pray, sleep. The morning is wiser than the evening. Most of the time, I find that to be true. The schemes and desperate plans from the night before can disintegrate or come into an idea that makes more sense, if I can get some decent sleep. The doll's advice also sounds something like Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Sure enough, early in the morning, shortly after the white and red riders and Baba Yaga fly about their business, Vasilisa looks about the hut to decide where to begin, only to find that the work is already done, even the maiden task of sorting the wheat from the chaff. Why isn't Vasilisa required to do the maiden task of sifting? Even Cinderella has to ask for help before the birds come to her aid. Vasilisa's discernment is already strong. She can easily distinguish good from evil, and chooses to repay evil with good because she is secure in her identity and value. She knows that she can ask for anything in prayer, believing that she will receive it and it will be hers. Mark eleven twenty four. She recognizes the source of her help and presents her case to her rescuer before ever setting herself to work. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Proverbs sixteen three. This isn't an area in which she has to grow. Now, she can just enjoy the blessings that come with her steadfast faith, after cooking the enormous dinner for Baba Yaga. She is required to cook the dinner for two reasons. First, the storyteller wants us to remember that Vasilisa is industrious and has a good work ethic. She may catch a break now and then, but not everything is done for her. The same rules apply to us. It is unreasonable to expect that we will get everything we want and need without putting in any effort at all. Our God supplies our needs according to His riches and glory, but one casual glance through the book of Proverbs is enough to light a fire of shame under anyone who does not work diligently. Second, in peasant culture, sifting is a young girl's task, but preparing meals is the job of a grown woman. Thus Elisa has reached the marriageable age and should no longer be required to perform the labor or occupy the position of a little girl, despite the efforts of her stepmother to prevent her from progressing into womanhood. Vasilisa has been a grown woman on the inside with her spiritual wisdom and on the outside with her developing body much longer than the stepmother has wanted to acknowledge. Acting out of fear, she has tried to suppress Vasilis's maturation and autonomy by treating her as a slave and chasing away her suitors, ashamed that her own daughters are not as advanced as she. As long as our heroine labors under the evil stepmother's roof, she will never be allowed to thrive as a whole adult individual. It takes a life-and-death situation to free her from the tyranny of a stunted existence allowing Vasilisa's skills and individuality to flourish. She does not struggle to produce the huge banquet and obviously creates a masterpiece under pressure, 
because Baba Yaga is annoyed that there is nothing that she can complain about when she returns home. The grinding of the wheat by the rider's hands represents transformation as Vasilisa passes the day's test and crosses into adulthood. This symbolism is further reinforced the next night when events repeat as before and the riders press oil out of the poppy seeds. Under pressure, a new role and stage of life are achieved. With this new stage comes the wisdom of a devoted believer and her metaphorical rescue from the four horsemen of the apocalypse. She has submitted to authority without debasing herself, besting the white horse of conquest. She has kept peace by doing her work well, defeating the red horse of war. She has beaten back the black horse of famine by using her skills to provide meals. In doing so, she triumphs over Baba Yaga, keeping death and destruction at bay. And she has done all of these things with the help of, and in the name of, love, as we are commanded to do. While the old crone polishes off her dinner, she invites Vasilisa to speak to her and ask her questions. When she asks about the three riders, Baba Yaga tells her that they are the dawn, the sun, and the night, her faithful servants. It is a bit uncomfortable to hear that, because we know who separated light and darkness and created the times and seasons. Remember that Baba Yaga is a type of the devil, the prince of the power of the air. He is given a limited amount of authority over this world, but greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. One day, the devil, death, and Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire to be consumed forever, as they once consumed the world. But the children of God will remain and will rule with Christ forever. Revelation 20 Until then, we must battle evil with the spiritual weapons entrusted to us. One of these is the powerful Word of God. We speak it over each other as a blessing and reminder of authority. And there's nothing the enemy hates more than being reminded who's really in charge. Curious, the witch asks Vasilisa how she is able to complete the difficult tasks she sets before her. When Vasilisa confesses that she is helped by the blessing of her mother, Baba Yaga flies into a terrible rage. For three nights, she has unwittingly allowed someone touched by the hand of God into her home, doing good in the place where evil is meant to reign supreme. Furious, she throws Vasilisa out of her house and shoves a skull light into her hands, keeping her end of the bargain. Clutching the terrible lantern, Vasilisa dashes home as fast as she can. Like Jesus, she has spent three days in the house of death in order to gain new life, and it is about to be won by supernatural intervention. After making the long journey from one night to the next, Vasilisa comes upon her stepmother's house. She nearly throws the skull away then, thinking that surely her family has found their own light by now. But the skull speaks to her and instructs her to take him in to her stepmother. Upon being received kindly for the first time ever, Vasilisa learns that since she left, there has been no light in the house. A plague of darkness has been placed there. Any light created by the stepfamily or brought to them by the neighbors is immediately extinguished. Sounds like something straight out of Exodus. 
It has been divinely determined that these terrible taskmasters will let Vasilisa go. The persistent darkness also represents their unchanging hearts. Like Pharaoh, they are hardened against Vasilisa and only pleased to see her because she can solve their problem. They welcome the skull light at first, but then its fiery eyes begin to incinerate them, chasing them throughout the house until all three wicked women are burned to ashes. Only our heroine, with her doll in her pocket, remains unscathed. She has observed with her eyes and seen the punishment of the wicked. Psalm 91 Isaiah 41, 11-13 says, All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. In the morning, after justice has been done, Vasilisa buries the skull, locks the door, and goes into town, never to return to the house of sadness again. These actions signify that she is ready to move on and start over, never to be a prisoner of her past or haunted by the horror she has seen on her journey to freedom. She is still waiting for her father to return, but does not allow this to make her anxious or consume her life. Instead, she seeks shelter with a kind old woman, who is exactly the type of mother figure she needs during this phase of her life. Someone who will understand her need for silence and rest, while her mind and heart cope with all that they have endured, and be equally supportive when it is time for Vasilisa to begin to work again. Her benefactor never treats her as a slave, or forces her to go back to work. They are more like friends and business partners than mother and daughter, and that's perfect for Vasilisa as she further establishes her independence. We too are meant to wait for our Heavenly Father to announce Jesus' coming and to continue the work we are created to do until then. There are seasons of warfare, rest, and work. Often, they come in this pattern. Vasilisa is resting from her season of warfare and is soon refreshed and ready to enter into her new time of work using her gifts. When our hearts are ready to take the next step in God's plans for us and the other factors and timing known only to Him all align, the raw materials, resources, and contacts we will need on the way begin to arrive. Vasilisa's benevolent friend wastes no time in procuring the best flax she can find so that the young woman may begin her new venture. Our heroine is so talented that the yarn she creates is too fine to be woven by a common loom. Both women are at a loss to find a comb fine enough to work with, and no one wants to make one for them. Vasilisa once more turns to her doll for aid. At the request of her mother's gift, she finds an old comb, an old shuttle, and a horse's mane, gives them to the doll, and allows herself to rest. Out of these items, her doll constructs the ideal loom for Vasilisa's yarn. God is always doing crazy, wonderful miracles with the things we have on hand. He made new eyes for a blind man out of the clay at his feet. He multiplied the oil in a widow's home so that she could save her family from destitution.
He used a boy, a sling, and a stone to demoralize the Philistine army. And he used a young girl willing to defy social convention to bring salvation into the world. The list goes on forever. But the point is that when we put our faith and trust in him, he can do wonders with us, no matter what we have or don't have in our tool belts. Vasilisa eagerly sets to work with the miraculously constructed loom, creating a linen so fine that it can be passed through a needle like a thread. Grateful to be given a wonderful place to live, Vasilisa tells the old woman to sell the linen and keep the money. Her benefactor is shocked at her request and insists that only the Tsar is fit to wear such gorgeous linen. It is so unique in its fine craftsmanship that she cannot even put a price on it when she meets the Tsar, choosing to honor Vasilisa's intentions and give the fabric to him as a gift. Fascinated by the beauty of the linen, the Tsar orders shirts to be cut and sewn from it. While cutting out the pattern is easily done, Finding anyone willing to sew the shirts is extremely problematic. Everyone is afraid to ruin the fabric and refuses to take the job, leaving Vasilisa to do it herself. I love the moment when Vasilisa says, I knew all the time that I would have to do this work. Vasilisa is an intelligent woman. She crafts such gorgeous fabric on purpose so that she can secure further work by being the only one skilled enough to handle the material. Since it has been taken to the Tsar, this could mean wonderful things for her in the future. Determined to stay on this course, she works diligently behind closed doors to make the shirt swiftly and efficiently, to the best of her ability and then some. She does not accompany the old woman to deliver the shirts, but makes herself presentable and watches by the window in expectation. She knows her life is about to change again, and she waits in eager anticipation for her summons, like the Bride of Christ. At last, the messenger comes and escorts her to the palace. When the Tsar sees her, he falls madly in love with her and makes her his queen. Before you get uppity about love at first sight, let me throw something at you. The Tsar has been getting acquainted with Vasilisa through her work. It symbolizes her beautiful character. She is industrious, working for months to create this yarn and weave this linen. She is determined, going without sleep to produce twelve gorgeous shirts from the fruits of her initial labor. She is rare and beautiful, like her material able to maintain grace under pressure, like the fabric passing through the eye of a needle. Who wouldn't fall in love with a woman like that? She comes straight out of Proverbs 31. He knows enough about her to understand that she is exactly the kind of queen he and his kingdom are looking for. The number 12 is very significant in the Bible. We have 12 disciples. We have 12 tribes of Israel. 12 represents the number of government. By creating twelve beautiful shirts out of the material, Vasilisa proves that she is worthy to govern. The Tsar himself is fair and kind, offering rewards and gifts for Vasilisa's beautiful work and taking delight in her. He even restores to her the family she has been longing for by allowing the old woman and her newly returned father to live with them. We too will experience glorious restoration when we arrive in the kingdom of heaven.
each of us will be given a new name, a glorified body, rewards for being good and faithful servants, and will reign forever with Christ, our eternal bridegroom, who has loved us with an everlasting love. Until then, like Vasilisa with her doll in her pocket, we must keep the source of our help close to us, hiding his word in our hearts, allowing it to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Autumn Woods, and I can't wait to see you on the path next season when we get Lost in the Woods.